The biggest story of this weekend, Kyrie Irving being traded to the Dallas Mavericks to join up with Luka Doncic. Uh, a bunch of good players. Dim Witty uh, is, is a very good guard. Uh, some draft picks and stuff going back to the Brooklyn Nets. We'll get into all of that. He covers the team with The Athletic. really appreciate because, damn, he has to be busy. Alex Schiffer has joined us on the line. Alex, really appreciate Love hopping out with you guys, big fans of Canada and uh, Cactus Club Cafe. So no problem, man. How's it going? I'm doing very well, yes. And the key to the Cactus Club is, you know, I like to be at the bar. Like, I just, I've always been Thanks. just sit-at-the-bar sort of guy versus a table. What? How say you? Table or bar? Where do you sit? I usually go bar as well. I, uh, I'm trying to get in and out usually. Um and uh, if if getting the bar gets me served quicker, then why am I going to wait an hour just for the uh, for the same amount for the same food? You know what I mean? Absolutely, a a a hundred percent. So before we get into just the psychology of this, what's next for Durant and 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 all things Kyrie? I, when I first heard about this deal, one of the first things that came to my head is where was the dynasty? Uh, Durant, Irving, and Harden played 16 games together. They went 13-3. and When this originally happened with Kevin Durant going to the Nets, and here comes Harden, like, I mean, I don't know how you thought, but, I mean, it was like, oh, okay, well, now we've got a new superpower in the East, and it never happened. It's been a crazy dynamic, as you said. You know, Kevin and Kyrie only played 74 games together, which isn't even a full season. And we're talking about guys that came here in 2019. Obviously, Kevin had the Achilles for a year um, to rehab. But it, as you said, it's crazy. You know, I, this, I feel like the, the past four years have almost like uh, this season has been a microcosm of them because they have the terrible start to start the year. You think you're going to um, be covering a lottery team. Then they get to rack together in December and January for a bit. Then Kevin gets hurt. They're treading water, preparing for him to come back. And then this happens. It's just like you, you look up for a minute and you're like, wait, they were 12-1 and in December and looked like they could have made the conference finals. What happened? So this has all happened so quick. There's been, it's almost felt like a tennis match with the way your, your head's been swiveling um, to keep up with it all. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, every, the one thing for your job with The Athletic, the one thing you never have to worry about is what am I going to write about? Um, as yeah. an, an impossible question, or a hard question to give a 100% accurate answer, because I don't think anyone knows. I don't even know if Kyrie Irving knows, but... In the end, was this just? Did this just come down to money, and the Brooklyn Nets ownership didn't trust Kyrie to give him all the maxes that he would want? I don't think it was just money. You know, I, I we as you said, no one really knows the exact specifics of what bothered Kyrie Irving with the negotiations. But I, I do think that he just kind of overplayed his hand and took terrible advice. You know, he was in a great stretch with the team. He was available, you know, to, for context, I think he played 40, 41 games this year. That is more than he played his first season as a net when it was 20 and he had a shoulder injury and his third season, obviously, because of the vaccine stuff. So I felt like he was on a good track to maybe get a decent contract and, and undo some of, some of the toothpaste that he put out of the tube. And then he goes and does this. So I don't, I, you know, they wanted stipulations. I mean, maybe those go away a little more or there's less of them if he waited till the end of the season. I, I think at the end of the day, he misplayed his hand. He put his foot down on it. And, you know, they've given him a million strikes. And I think this was the one that crossed the line where it's like, all right, if you want out, we're going to honor it this time. How hard is it to trust him? 
how, like just from a basketball point of view, if you're like, I look at this, I, uh, Kyrie Irving to me is incredibly talented, but maybe the least trustworthy athlete I can think of. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's funny looking through old quotes and stories these past few days. You know, there was a couple guys taking shots at James Harden from afar. You know, guys that are, uh, you know, we don't have anybody half in right now. Um, and this is this is reflecting on last year when when Harden was checked out. I mean, Kyrie was a part time player at that point. You know, who was he to talk? Um, you know, he was just talking Thursday about. Um, you know, the Nets kind of just getting rolled by the Celtics. It's funny, I, I first thought something was up on Thursday because the day before the request, or excuse me, this is late Wednesday after they lost to the Celtics because Kyrie was at, I asked Kyrie about, um, you know, responding to runs and, and the way they've handled losses without Kevin and, you know, why this night was different. He said, you know, it was clear as day to me that they, are, they have their eyes on the title. They think they can win it. They're not messing around in the regular season. We were just a team in the way. And he never talked like that before. Like, he almost sounded wistful, almost like the Celtics were like, you know, he made a mistake or, or, you know, what did I do? And then you get to the request, and yet he was talking about the Nets getting to a place where they can stand up to the Celtics, and now a few days later he's gone. So, you know, everything he says, you know, the the grain of salt saying, like, you know, he he has a mountain of salt sometimes, as you see before those big snowstorms at the public works centers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. It it really is, and and then it sort of goes to my next place. And again, joined by Alex Schiffer, covers the Brooklyn Nets for the Athletic. Is I, I can't help but think about Kevin Durant. And uh, let's start on this level. How much of this just comes down to Kevin Durant is just not that fire and brimstone leader where the, the original issue with, um, with the mass mandates and the vaccine and Harden not being happy with, with Kyrie and everything going on there. And then, you know, um, Durant. Uh, commenting on the on the films that Kyrie was endorsing, the film that was anti-Semitic, and the only thing Durant said is, "I wish we could have kept this quiet." How much of this comes down to just Durant is a guy who loves playing basketball, but maybe isn't that sort of Kevin Garnett leader type? It, it's it's an interesting point for sure. You know, um, even going back to when um, when they first had Kevin Kyrie and DeAndre Jordan, you know, there was a lot of talk about you know. Who's going to be the guy that kind of lights a fire into everybody? Because it's not really the you know their demeanors, um, and I definitely think that that's been a factor of that. You know, Kevin just wants to play basketball. You know, he said before it's not in his nature to give advice. Um, you know, if, if people come to him as one thing, or you know, I, I did a story on him. You know, helping guys come back from their Achilles injuries. That's kind of been a different thing for him. But I, I definitely think that the personalities of, of Kevin Kyrie and James Harden have been a factor in all this. But. Um, at the same time, but I also think, you know, they've also had guys that they've like, oh, you know, Jeff Green was a huge force of that locker room that year. They could have won it all with the three of them. Right. Letting him go was, I think, one of the most under-talked about um, things with this team in the past. For You know, you talk to a lot of people. Jeff Green had played with all three of those guys before. He knew how to handle them, and they let him go to Denver. And I think that, they, that the locker room has missed a guy like him ever since. Um, you know, they had Marquise Morris. He's now off to, um, to Dallas with Kyrie. He was kind of closer to that, but they don't have, like, as you said, that, that enforcer type guy, let's use like a hockey term. And I, I think that the, per- the nature of the personalities has definitely been a factor. But, um, you know, I, I would also argue that, you know, that's on, that goes above the ownership and, and the general manager and front office and whatnot for yeah. not seeing that and maybe trying to correct it sooner. Again, the, the, the Jeff Green thing, I can't undersell enough, in my opinion.
Yeah, you know, it's a good point. And it does need to be noted that this what's happening now, the chaos and all of it, it it's not like I, I blame Kyrie first. But, yes, management has to absolutely eat part of what's going on right now from a team that we thought three, four years ago was going to be a dynasty and has been nothing but a failure. The weird thing is, is that Kevin Durant on on the court is one of the greatest of all time. The talent is there, but the basketball sense. I mean, th- this man is a gifted passer. He knows what he's doing. He's in complete control on the court, but off of it, it just seems. I, I don't know. Just the decisions always seem to be questionable. Leaving Golden State to go to Brooklyn, um, uh, choosing uh, DeAndre Jordan over Jared Allen, uh, f- hire Steve Nash, fire Steve Nash, putting all this trust and faith in guys like Kyrie. I look at Kevin Durant. I'm curious your thoughts, Alex, is that on the court, his, his on-court vision is brilliant. Off the court, it just feels muddled. Yeah, it'd be interesting to kind of hear how he reflects on all this in a few years of what, what he would have done differently and not, if anything. Um, you know, the, the front office, you know, Steve Nash is a front office decision a little more than Kevin Durant. I think that he, that kind of gets undersold a bit. Um, I feel like, if anything, Jock Vaughn's proven they should have hired him right out of the bubble when he obviously, the, the Raptors swept that team. That was like a glorified G League team to me at that point. It was Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and Joe Harris, and a bunch of guys that really yep. aren't in the league anymore. Um, you know, I, I'd say that that's proven to be a fatal thing. But, you know, I, I, there's obviously been a lot of talk that, you know, he was warned about hitching his wagon at Kyrie, and you got to admire his loyalty throughout all this in a lot of ways. I mean, he was the only one to sign an extension with, with the Nets um, while, while Harden and, and Kyrie handled things differently. So I, uh, I, I, I think that that's definitely some of it. But, you know, again, like, you know, the Nets gave a lot of these guys, you know, the keys to the franchise when they came to town. And I think that there's been a domino effect there. You know, someone – that's been around all this, like I have a, a few weeks ago, just kind of said, you know, it feels like something's kind of been broken with this group that's kind of unrepairable at this point. And I've, and I've been thinking a lot about that lately. So hmm. I, I think that, I think that, you know, you could say what you want about, you know, his decisions and whatnot. You know I mean? I, I think I, I don't speak for Kevin, but I think I speak for a lot of us where, you know, we've all made decisions in life that we thought at the time would make us happy. And, and hindsight 2020, you know, you wish you had a do over, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it is safe to say that there were signs about some of this stuff, whether it was the development of Jared Allen. You know, he, again, to me, we've never really gotten an explanation as to why they threw him into the Harden trade when they maybe could have kept him. He would have been a, he, he's the guy they need. Imagine him next in the classroom right now. So I, I think that, you know, this has been handled so crazy on so many levels and the drama's been out. So like, I think blame goes across the board. Yeah. And obviously Kevin gets his share of that, but I, I do think it is bigger than him. Is there a culture? Like we like you know with the Raptors and they're having a down year this year, but this team has had a culture and a vision for years. Um, you know certainly after Masai Ujiri came here and with Dwayne Casey and then with Nick Nurse and we always hear about the Miami Heat and Heat culture and and yes you can roll your we should all roll our eyes at it a little bit, but does Brooklyn have a culture? It's a good question. You know obviously the culture is what got them these guys in the first place. You know with those Kenny Atkinson teams. And, uh, and now I think it's a much harder question to answer. You know, I would argue that getting, assuming Spencer Dinwiddie isn't flipped, which is a bit of an assumption right now, you know, I think they are still looking for deals, including up in your neck of the woods. Um, but, you know, I think if you were to come in for Kyrie Irving, that is a bit of a step back to where they were with, you know, they have Joe Harris, they have Spencer Dinwiddie, they have some of these guys from when they were known as more of a culture-based organization. You know, I think the biggest thing, though, it's kind of the point of culture is, you know, I think the bigger thing that they've missed from this whole thing that's been kind of apparent 
is a homegrown star, right? You mentioned Raptors culture. When they won the whole thing, Kawhi Leonard was the, the guy coming in from out of town, but Kyle Lowry was an institution in Toronto at that point. You know, he was the guy that, even though he wasn't drafted there, he made his career there and, and was known as, you know, Mr. Raptor, for lack of a better phrase. Um, you know, the Nets didn't have a star with that team that came in with Katie and Kyrie, and those guys came in, they were the stars, but there wasn't a guy that, you know, could kind of say to them, you know, hey, this is how we were doing it before you guys came to town. The, the juice for the rest of the group wasn't there, right? So yeah. to, to me, I, I think, you know, you look at Milwaukee, Giannis, homegrown star. Um, you look at those Spurs teams, those, all those guys were homegrown, right? You know, Miami, Dwayne Wade was the homegrown star alongside LeBron and Chris Bosh. And, you know, Pat Riley's been the constant there, and he's got so much juice at this point that, you know, you see guys like Jimmy Butler be able to get to the finals because of everything else they have going on there. And, you know, Bam Adebayo, you know, maybe he's regressed a little bit, but to me he's still a homegrown guy from heat culture, right, to your point. So, again, the Celtics with, with Brown and Tatum. So, I, to me, whenever the Nets redo this whole thing again, which may be sooner than later, who knows, to me that what, that what needs to be found the next time around is a homegrown guy to, to kind of set the, to set the culture, to set the expectations, being equal to the guys they would hypothetically bring in through trade or free agency, because I think that is another one of those glaring holes that you've just kind of seen grow wider and wider as a result of all this. This sort of leads to my last question. I'm uh, looking at Kevin Durant's contract. He is a UFA after the 2025-26 season. Do you expect Kevin Durant to be a Brooklyn Net by the end of that 25-26 season? That's a long time, right? You know, there's been crickets from his end of all this. Um, you know, I, I would imagine that he had some kind of sign-off on the Kyrie trade, you know, and is on board with, um, you think, with what they're trying to do now of trying to get more deals to upgrade the roster around him for another push this year. You know, we haven't heard from him. It's funny, you know, the way your, your brain works through all this craziness. I've, I've thought a lot about my mother um, with Kevin Durant's, you know, silence, she once said to me, you know, sometimes silence is the best message to send. And I've wondered <laughs> if there's anything there with that. You know, mother's law is right. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, I think right now it's, it's a tough leap for my brain to make to think that he finishes the deal out. But, you know, again, it goes back to what makes you happy. Maybe he likes New York City. Maybe he sees a path forward. You know, um, I think it's going to be tough for the Nets to stay competitive without, without – um, offloading that Ben Simmons contract of some sort, which is like a, a you know, trying to swim uh, to the top of the surface with a heavy weight on you. But, um, you know, we'll see. It, it, it All bets are off, really, until he speaks and see what he has to say on all this. Hey, really appreciate uh, joining the show. Alex Schiffer, read his work with The Athletic, covering all things Brooklyn Nets. And the story there is not done. I mean, it, it still is a good team that can certainly make noise. And then the other end, who knows um, what will happen with Durant. Alex, all the best. Hopefully I'll see you at the bar sometime. You're buying first round, man. Absolutely. Done and done. It's not about the first round. It's about what happens after that. That is, follow the man on. Yeah, yeah, thanks so much, Alex. Check the man out, The Athletic, covering all things Brooklyn.